I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> this morning, we are beginning a new message, a new series of messages from the book of Ephesians entitled, Growing Up into Christ. And I thought Alfredo and Monica did a wonderful job, right, of introducing that for us. And if they're not able to be here with us this morning, we want to make sure to keep their family in prayer. Many others that are that are struggling, that are trying to overcome poor health. Of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And I can speak from experience. It ain't no fun to go through that. So um, afterwards, in the, this, this morning, we're going to have a moment for prayer and have the elders that are here uh, be able to pray for those that are sick. And if you are in that situation today or you know someone, if you're sick, you shouldn't be here. But... Um, <laughs> But if you know of someone or if there's something else that is you're struggling with, we want to make sure to pray for you. Um, the main verse of this series really comes from uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 15, and I love it out of the message. It says, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. God wants us to grow up. Have you ever wanted to just sell it, say to somebody, I wish you'd grow up? Maybe you've said it to your kids or your husband. Maybe you've, you've probably said it or thought it at times. And I sometimes think the Lord is looking at us and saying, man, I want you to grow up. Grow up. Growing up into Christ is like any other sort of growth. It is a, it is a process. It speaks of development it speaks of formation. Think of a seed that's planted in dark soil. That little seed that looks like it has no life is planted there, and when it is combined with water and oxygen and the right temperature and enough light, something happens. Life. Germination. That little seed breaks open and begins to grow a stalk and a root system. And then there, out of that stem, leaves are grown and eventually fruitfulness. And depending on what kind of seed it is, if it lasts another season, then there will be someone to prune it and train it and condition it. And so that it might be even more fruitful next season. Growth for the Jesus follower is very much like this. It is a process. It doesn't occur at just one point in time or by one specific decision. Of course, salvation is secured for us the moment we choose to follow Christ. But that's not the end of our maturing process. Maturation is something we grow into. I love what Monica said. She finds that serving others causes her to mature. We have so much growing yet to do. A.W. Tozer warned about something he called instant Christianity or fast food Christianity. And he said of it, it can be found almost everywhere in gospel circles and is born of the notion that we may discharge our total obligation to our own souls by one act of faith or at most by two. And then be relieved thereafter of all anxiety about our spiritual condition. He continues, we are saints by calling, our teachers keep telling us. And we are permitted to infer from this that there is no reason to seek to be saints by character. 
Growing up into Christ means our character keeps growing, even as our calling is already secure. We don't stop growing. Now, I, I, I hear some of you right now saying to me, uh, I think I'll pass. I think I've done enough growing already. Maybe some of our more senior saints, of which I'm beginning to get one myself, become one. But maybe you say, you know, I'm tired. My, my muscles, my spiritual muscles, they're a little bit sore. Let's just let the younger saints, saints take care of this. But you know that Jesus doesn't let us get away with that. He doesn't. There is always more growth to be experienced that's why Paul knew himself and said himself later, very late in his life, he said it this way, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. I love that. Where are you, saint of God? Are you pressing on? Are you choosing to, to just sit back? We must press on. We must grow up into Christ. It is the call that he has given. So I am suggesting, along with the Apostle Paul, that we grow up into Christ. And I believe studying that this letter to the Ephesians will help us do just that. And it will, if we take it seriously, it will do something in us. But it's got to be more than just applying it to our lives. We have to submit to his word. We have to submit ourselves to the word, not just add the word to us. And so that's my encouragement to each of us. Let's grow up. Let's take these few months as we study this look, this book and look more fully at the growing process God has us all in. And with that, if you'd look with me to the verse, first verse of chapter 1, Ephesians 1 uh, and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we're going to look at today. Those two verses. And you're like, man, if he's only going to do this two verses at a time, we're going to be here a long time. But I promise you, we'll get to bigger sections of the chapters. Today, his greeting is important. And I just love the way Paul starts letters. I mean, this guy, right? He's incredible. Have you noticed that Paul repeats himself a lot? Has anyone else noticed that in reading his letters that he has redundancy? He seems to repeat certain things. It, it makes me feel very good about myself. I, I think I, I, well, my kids tell me that I repeat myself a lot. I have certain stories, they're called signature stories, you know, and I think I've told you before, but doesn't mean I won't tell you again. And uh, it's like uh, our friend Robert Grant says, there is no horse so dead that it cannot withstand one more beating. <laughs> now, I, I believe in repeating myself, and so did the Apostle Paul, so I am in good company. I like to say this a lot. We are a spiritual family, right? 
I say it so much that Pete quotes me a lot. All the moderators, when they get up and speak a lot of times, they're saying it now. We are a spiritual family. Now, do I say that a lot because you don't remember? No, I say it a lot because it's true. Paul says things and repeats those things, not because you didn't hear him the first time, but maybe because you don't believe it like you should. And it needs to be said again. Now, I realize there are things that I say that don't have the same significance. Like, I'm famous for saying, you're one of my favorite people. I say that a lot, which right now I'm realizing was a mistake to tell all of you that I say that. (laughs) Because you're thinking to yourself, he's never said that to me. I'll get there, I promise. You're all my favorite people. I said that to our friend Rebecca Zelaya one time, and she, uh, she's very astute. And uh, later in the day, she was still, we were still in the crowd, we were at a conference, and she heard me say it to somebody else the same way I just said it to her. And I think she was a little bit hurt or offended or chapped just a little bit. So she comes right up to the midst of our conversation, interrupts, and she says, let me ask you something. Just how many favorite people do you have? <laughs> And I said, uh, all of them? (laughs) I I, I was busted. But the truth is, she and all of you, the people that I'm in community with, you are my favorite people. So I really mean it, even though I may may say it too much. Um, Paul helps me. I feel like I'm in good company when I read Paul. Because he says things over and over again. Like when he said to this church in Ephesus grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's repeating himself. In fact, he uses almost the same greeting in every single letter he writes that we have in the New Testament. All 13 books. He says almost the same thing. Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, uh, Titus, Philemon, all of them. You check me. Almost the same thing. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he says it that way so many times, I think it means something. Now, there are some people that think that's no big deal. That's, that's just his standard greeting. That's what he says when he starts a letter. But I don't think so. I think there's so much more to it than just that. But I also think that because it's so familiar, and we may have seen it so many times, that we often skip right past it. And we move into something more, more hefty, more uh, substantial, uh, 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 something that gives us more power, something that gives us more clarity. But I think we ought to sit right here on this verse. I think we ought to let it speak to our hearts. First, this passage really harkens back to another blessing. It's a blessing that Aaron spoke Actually, Moses spoke over Aaron and his sons. It's called the Aaronic blessing. It's from Numbers chapter 6, and we've read it before. You've heard it before. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious 
to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I love that blessing. And I I think that Paul is thinking about that when he says what he does to the Ephesian church and all the rest of them. Grace and peace to you. When you really think about it, those two words, grace and peace, they really summarize the entirety of the Christian experience. They are like pillars that hold up this building of gospel living that we're all living in. First, Paul says, grace to you. Grace, amazing grace. We sing that song, how sweet the sound. We are all saved by grace, which means we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. In fact, what we deserve is the very opposite of it. The gospel of grace is the grace of God. It's the grace shown towards us. It's God in his mercy sending Jesus, his son, to save sinners like you and me. It is so that those who are separated can be brought near. It's so that those who are guilty can be justified. It's so that those who are enemies can become friends. It's so that those facing eternal punishment might receive his eternal life. It's by grace and grace alone that we've been saved. The grace of God. It is a thread throughout the writings of Paul, throughout the New Testament. The gospel is a gospel of grace. We can never do enough. We will never be good enough to earn the favor of God. We've already proven that we are not worthy. And yet God, in his grace, saved you and I. Saved anyone who would call upon his name. He is a God of grace. This thread runs through this whole book. Paul says grace 12 different times in this book. References it so powerfully. I especially like chapter 2 where he talks about us being saved by grace. And then he says we are raised up with Christ. And we are seated with him not here. We're seated with him in heavenly places that's all come by grace. And why does he do these things? Well, he tells us in chapter 2, verse 7, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He's doing it because he has grace, And he's doing it because of grace. It's all about his grace and being demonstrated to us. And as our dear, beloved Ellen Duke says always, it's all about grace. But Paul doesn't keep it there. Grace to you, he also talks about peace. Peace. It's on the same level as grace. It's woven into the fabric of scripture, the peace. And when we read that, we know that Paul wrote this originally in the Greek language. That was the language of trade and the language of the day. But when Paul thought it, he thought it in Hebrew. And that word is shalom. Shalom. 
It is so much bigger than what we think of when we think of peace. It is the breadth and the depth and the length and the width of something magnificent, a concept too great for us to understand. It is hope attached to it. It is a life as it should be. Shalom is what God wanted for his covenant people when he brought them out of Israel, I mean Egypt. He brought them into a place of shalom. He wanted them to not only experience it, but also to share it. This shalom is so much more than an absence of conflict. It is life as it should be. That's what shalom is. It is as God intended it. It is everything as it should be kind of living and experience. Shalom is what was lost when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And shalom is what will finally and completely be restored when Jesus comes back again. It's how God started our story. It's how God will end the story. It's the beginning of the book. And it's the end. So these are the things that Paul is pronouncing to this church in Ephesus. Two concepts Two glorious riches, two things he wants them to have that changes everything. Grace to you and peace. And when he says that, he's not just offering a polite greeting. He's transmitting glorious riches of God's grace and peace, two of the most magnificent pillars in the gospel message. And Paul's doing it not just from himself. This is the amazing part to me. It's not like he's saying grace and peace from the Apostle Paul. No. He said grace to you and peace from God and from Jesus. It's a blessing that's resounding from the throne room of God and it's echoing in the earth beneath him. He's speaking on behalf, Paul is, of the triune God. And it's what Bible commentators Robert Jewett and Roy Katansky say, the power to grant the content of the blessing, grace and peace, derives not from the person uttering the words, but from the source of all blessing, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the reason I know that these two things and this blessing put upon them and the importance that it is to Paul throughout his writings and the importance that it is to God all the way back to Moses and beyond is because Paul not only starts his letter this way, he also ends it this way. Chapter 6, verse 23, the last two verses of the letter. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The same way Paul started it, he's closing it. He's adding, by the way, a little bit of love and faith also. So you pretty much have it all. You have grace, you have peace, you have love, you have faith. So this morning, my word to you 
is the same that Paul gave to them. I am but a messenger like he was. And I am sent to deliver to you sitting here today and to those of you that are watching. I am here to deliver the same message he gave to us. He connected it to the 1,500 years before when Moses had spoken it. We connected it to the 2,000 years before when we're speaking it. But all of it echoes from heaven's room. All of it is down here on earth because God himself is the one speaking to each one of us. Grace to you and peace. From me, he says, from me, your father, and from my son, Jesus Christ. So I speak a blessing upon each of us today. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't matter how prepared I am. It always catches me by surprise. It's okay, I get so into it. Taking notes. Oh, wow. Imagine how every relationship in your life, whether with a fellow believer or someone who has not yet come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, how it would change if we spoke grace and peace to it. <laughs> Between the word that G shared this morning, the scripture that Pete gave us, and your word today, I feel like this is such an opportunity to say yes to the Lord about what he's talking to us about. And when that opportunity comes, no matter how hard it seems, the power to do what he's asking is in the word that he gave. We don't need something else. We need to walk out of here convinced that he's right and agree with him about it. And that's going to be my prayer for us today. Father, thank you so much for being so incredibly clear and for repeating yourself because we need that. Yes, we do. Thank you for all the hope in the words that we've received today. That even if we think there is bitter water between us and someone else. You've given us your grace and peace. You're not asking us to create it or imagine it or hope for it. You have provided it. And in every relationship that we face, we can speak your grace and peace into it as you've spoken it into our lives. To the capacity that we have to receive those things from you, we will be invited into your work and into your mission to give those out. And all I know to say to that, Lord, is your will be done. Yes, God. Lord, we submit to you. We submit to you in what you're doing in our day, like we've already heard this, this morning, the prophetic word, 
we submit our eyes and our ears and our hearts to you and what we're doing and where you're going. We don't want to be about our own agendas, but about your business. And Lord, we don't look to the bitterness that's all around, even our own distress, but we choose to look to you and listen to you. And Lord, we want to be people of your grace and we want to be people of your peace. And as Donna has said, not only that we would receive, but that we would transmit those everywhere we go. Help us to be that kind of people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.